Today we have a guest, recognized developmental psychologist, parent educator, mother, and fellow podcaster, Dr. Aliza Pressman. She has built an amazing community through her podcast, Raising Good Humans, in which she empowers parents with the knowledge they need to make the best choices for their families. We dive into a deep conversation regarding what many consider the hardest season, well, at least for those of us that are in the thick of it, the toddler years. We all want to raise good humans. But what's the best approach to parenting a toddler so that we build a healthy emotional foundation and lead them on the right path to eventually become happy teenagers and then nourishing adults in society? We read the books. We bought the things. We thought we were ready. And then life took our plans and changed them. I'm Karen. I'm Victoria's mommy, and I work in tech. And I'm Pamela. I have a baby boy named Ford, and I'm a journalist. And although we're both first-time working moms, we're actually pretty different. And that's totally okay, because we both agree that our most important work is raising our kids. We really need each other and can only get through this together. Welcome to Motherish Moments. Hi, Pamela. I'll have you know that the other day, Juan and I, we were in the car together, and he's he just put on the podcast. And I was like, I don't want to listen to the podcast right now. And we ended up listening to like four episodes, which was really weird for me. But also, I was kind of glad he was catching up with it because I'm like, you care. But I noticed that I'm always like, good morning. And he looks at me, he goes, it's not the morning. And I'm like, okay, oh, well, a lot yeah. of people listen to in the morning. Whatever. It was a well, we tend to record in the morning, but tonight <laughs> we're having a very special late evening happy hour episode with someone that we've been waiting to book and we're so happy to have her on the podcast today and i was telling her before we started recording that she has been holding her hand through this very challenging i think season um raising a toddler and we're gonna get to talk to her and kind of like share what she's been sharing through her instagram and her podcast in a more personal so I'm excited. But first, we can jump into our motherish moment. This past weekend, Juan and I went on our first, I want to say trip, but it, it, that makes it sound like it was like a vacation. It was for fun. But it was just our first one night away from Victoria since she was born. So three and a half years, we've never both spent a night away from her. And I have felt really guilty about it for a very long time because people guilty are about like, leaving her or leaving about no. not spending time with Juan alone. Juan's lawyer is here. Um, no, just just guilty about not feeling ready. But the truth is that I never felt ready. I mean, I've left on my own for work trips and he leaves often for work trips, but we never left together. We also like none of our family ever was like, hey, you can leave her. You know, everyone's kind of like, mm, you chose to have a kid. That's on you, which I respected. It's my responsibility. And of course, we have our nanny, which we could leave her. But I'm like, I need you Monday the, through Friday. Like, you know, I don't want to like burn the candle on both ends. So whatever, you know, we have a project that we're working on in Orlando. So we drove to Orlando for the night. We left at five o'clock. We were back the next day by 9 p.m. And I got to say, like the first five hours or so of the trip, we were driving in traffic and I was on my laptop working. I was very like still in that that wavelength that I find myself at very often, which is a little frazzled, a little annoyed with him. Not because, you know, he's not doing anything wrong. It's just I have too much on my plate. And I was on that wavelength and I was like, okay, it's time to disconnect. It's time to stop, you know, whatever. And then we had a number of like random things that happened, which, so I booked our hotel 
three days in advance because I'm like, oh, I'm ahead, I'm on top of things or whatever. And I booked it for like November. So I go, in, I go in to check in the hotel and I'm like, hi, my reservation. They're like, ma'am, we don't have your name. I'm like, excuse me, I have a confirmation number. I was being such a Karen. It was so bad. I was like, I have my confirmation number. And they're like, ma'am, it's not November. And I was like, but did it turn around? Like, did, did, was it so a nice I ended, Yeah. So like I come outside, I call him because he was parking the car and I was like, hey, like, here's another sign that your wife is like burnt out. Like it's time to just surrender to like whatever the night has for us. So I ended up booking um, the Waldorf Astoria. <laughs> I went to like, you know what? We're going to turn this crappy night into a splurge night. Who cares? Put it on the card. And we ended up having room service. And it was very reminiscent of one of our first dates. And like throughout like the evening, at this point it was like 11.30 at night, I had a moment where I was like, I kind of like this guy. And he was like, I think you like me again. And I'm like, yeah. Um, and the next day was great. Like we went to breakfast together. And I'm sorry, this is like stretching out so long, but I think it's really important because there are a lot of people who feel comfortable doing this early on and, you know, they understand and it works for them. Maybe it's a cultural thing. I don't know, but I just didn't feel comfortable. And now that I did, I don't regret not doing it earlier because I feel like I did it when we were ready. But I thought it was so nice. And I think it's that, you know, I rated a 10 out of 10. I encourage everyone to do it. And if you don't feel ready, that's okay. But when you're ready, you should definitely do it. And that is my... Wow, that was a, a nice motherish moment of the week. It could be like a whole episode on that. It's really important. Yeah. I know. So mine will be very, <laughs> very short and very practical. I had just been kind of raving about the fact that my kid barely gets sick. I've been so lucky. I built such a great immune system. Well, this morning he woke up and... Well, last night he actually woke... It's been like two nights where he's like woken us up like in the middle of the night, which is very rare because he's a great sleeper. And last night he kind of woke up like sleepwalking. So it kind of freaked me out and I couldn't like snap him out of it. So I kind of like turned off all the lights, woke him up and I kind of felt him warm. So I'm like, he has a fever. I gave him a little medicine. He sweated out the fever. And then on the way to school, because I had like a work meeting, like something important at nine in the morning. I'm like, are you going to school? I can't take care of you right now. Put him in the car. On the way to school, I noticed he had like a little rash. Send the pictures to the doctor. He's like, oh, yeah, it's mouth, foot. Hand, foot, mouth. Hand, foot, mouth. Oh, I hate that. Disease. So uh, I don't know if you guys have heard of it, but it's a horrible, I guess, very common virus among children. They get it through saliva and it broke my heart. So I had to kind of like improvise back up. I had to like Uber my nanny to my house to go make the meeting. And yeah, so now I'm just like, what I don't like about this is that apparently it's going to get worse before it gets better. So imagine having to wait for that fourth and fifth day, which the doctor told me, listen, it's going to be bad. He might get some like sores in his mouth. Like it sounds horrible. It's the worst. Every time I mention it at work today to someone, they're like, like, it's the worst thing my child went through. Is the cold? I'm like, oh. So I'm just praying and I ask for prayers for those who um, could join me that, you know, he's not that uncomfortable through it. I know he has to go through it. There's nothing much that I could do, but monitor the fever and he's fine. He's been in good spirits today. And I'm just hoping that it goes by really quickly and fast. And I just hate when they're sick. I hope you have lots of wine to deal with that. So, <laughs> yeah. it, so that's it. it. So why don't we invite Dr. Pressman to share her mother's moment of the week before we formally introduce her to the podcast. We're in such different places because I have teenagers. <laughs> so I'm like, I have a hundred moments this week, but I'm like, which one is appropriate? I will vaguely say, because it's not all my story. When, you know, when your kids are older, when you're talking about them, you have to ask their permission. But yes. basically, it's totally weird. But basically, 
something happened with one of my kids and I, two times in the past week with each kid, there was like a conundrum that I had and I was uh, not sure what to do, even though it's my job to have this reverse conversation with people, I called like a few of my sister moms to just get their feedback and each one of them was like, isn't this what you do? You know better than we do. And I was like, oh my God. And so I think my moment was just realizing that I need to be explicit to everyone that just because I understand all of this stuff from an intellectual perspective, it means boo squat in the heat of the moment. And I still need the same support that everybody else needs. Dr. Presma has an impressive, I want to say, background. And I, I don't know if I could call her the guru of parenting, but her voice, when I hear oh, her on no. Instagram and when I hear her <laughs> podcast, so soothing. And it just really keeps me grounded because, as you know, Karen, I'm very science-based and focused and very practical. So I feel like th- that combination has really made her very relatable and actually very easy to apply, if that makes any sense. So she's a developmental psychologist with over 15 years of experience. She co-founded Sildings Group and the Mount Sinai Parenting Center. Then she began this amazing podcast, Raising Good Humans. And she has been able to build this amazing community, again, with this science, I think, supported, evidenced uh, facts but also very practical. And um, she covers so many topics for so many stages of parenting. And today, I guess, because both of us have toddlers, I wanted to kind of focus on how to build a good foundation. I think right now we are trying to raise with humans, but we feel like they're little monsters sometimes. So what I'm so afraid and I catch myself being so like doubting myself and questioning, like, is this going to have a long-term effect on Ford? Am I making the right decision? Am I reprimanding the right way? Am I disciplining the right way? So how important is the foundation we're building during these years? And what is a good way to build a good foundation, if that makes any sense? (laughs) Well, sure it does. It's a big conversation. But if I had to distill it down, I would say there are two parts. One is, yes, this is really important this time because a huge percentage of the brain is developed in the first five years of life. So you do want to take advantage of this time to build this sturdy foundation because I live in California, there are earthquakes. And when I moved here from the East Coast, I was totally thrown off because that freaked me out looking at houses and thinking about like, are they safe for earthquakes? And what I found so fascinating is that if the house isn't built on a sturdy foundation, you can retrofit it and everything's going to be fine in an earthquake, but it's certainly cheaper and easier if it was originally built with a strong (laughs) foundation. And I think just with our kids, we can know, yes, this is a more important time developmentally, and also not to be so freaked out that if you screw up, that all bets are off because you can always retrofit. I also would just encourage everybody with young children to imagine that they have to get like more often than not right and not more than that. So a C plus, you know, is just fine. And in fact, if you got an A plus, that would be terrible modeling for your kids because who could be perfect? And who wants to be the kid of someone perfect? If you think your parent is perfect, then you are for the rest of your life living under this shadow of false ideals 
that you're supposed to be perfect all the time. And that's so much pressure because you can never live up to it. So in fact, it's a gift to your kids to blow it some of the time and to get a mediocre grade. You just want to think like, not that anybody's grading you, but just metaphorically. But so just think if more often than not, I'm being the parent that I want to be, I've got this. This foundation is going to be sturdy and not even going to need a retrofit. I have so many thoughts right now, and I cannot wait for my mom to hear this because she also listens to this because (laughs) she is constantly beating herself up over not, you know, over the mistakes that she's made. And I always tell her, like, I'm I'm grateful that you are a normal mom because that, you know, is helpful, like especially now. So, but I never made that association. It's such a like amazing, like I'm already like, oh yes, no. So much to unpack. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot to unpack. I'll be thinking about it on the drive home. When my older daughter was around nine, I how, say, how old are your children? Eight. Sorry, I have an almost 13 year old and an almost 16 year old. So they're 12 and 15, but they're just like at the end of those years. So they're pretty classic two teenage girls. So when my older one was younger, I got so upset about something that my eyes welled up and I snapped. And I really didn't yell very much. Like I'm not a big yeller. That's not my Achilles heel. I have plenty. And I certainly wasn't a crier, except for my daughter did just send me a TikTok of somebody saying like, when your mother just looks at you and starts crying randomly because they're so in love with you or something like that. (laughs) So I do have emotional tears, but they're usually like, I can't, but not getting out of my emotions, out of control in my emotions. I was pretty controlled. But I went too far, I think, because when that happened, my daughter looked up at me and she said, moms aren't supposed to cry. And I was like, whoa, whoa, what have I done here? I'm okay. I can take care of this lady right here. I'm just having a moment where I'm my emotions are getting to me and I feel frustrated and I'm getting teary-eyed. But that's like part of being a person. And I'm I'm sorry that I haven't shared that with you before because that must be really scary. So that was kind of a moment for me where I've been telling parents for years, you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be so, you know, controlled and each moment has to be just so. And then my daughter was like nine before she learned that I was a person. So that was a mistake on my part that I think was rooted in my attempt to get it right too much. You talk a lot about honoring emotions when it comes to our children and toddlers. Can you elaborate a little bit on that, doctor? Like how do we honor their emotions? Why is it so important to do that with our babies? So from the beginning of time, we just, if we can think about honoring emotions as all feelings are welcome. So I say all feelings are welcome, all behaviors are not. That way you still have boundaries. You're still saying, hey, I have some expectations of you and some limits that I'm going to set for your safety, both emotionally and physically, and for other people's safety and so that you can be a member of society. And also how you feel about all of that and just all the different emotions that you experience throughout your day, those are totally fair game. Those are all okay. And the importance of that is that you take away the shame. We get so much shame and shame messaging when we're told you should feel X, Y, or Z, because then how could you possibly tell someone else how to feel? That's not even possible. So all you do when you do that is shove down the feelings in front of you. So it's not going to take away the feeling. You know, you should feel happy right now. I've just done this for you. Okay, so now 
I'm gonna know I can't express to you that I'm not happy, but I'm not gonna stop feeling the feelings. It's gonna corrode the relationship of, I get to tell you how I feel. And again, that doesn't mean the behaviors are all acceptable. It just means that how you feel needs to be honored and then it can be put aside. So any of our feelings don't need to come out in maladaptive ways, in those ugly ways where we just see as we get older that we're like, uh-oh, I'm feeling this feeling, it's not okay, so I better drink. Or I'm right. feeling this feeling and it's not okay, so I better just yell about something because sadness isn't ever accepted. So it's that kind of thing that I'm talking about when I say honor feelings. And the way you can show that with younger children is both to honor your own feelings, to name them and just say, oh, I just got startled or I, that really scared me. I'm, I'm feeling sad. And also I know how to take care of myself when that happens. Cause you never want your kids to think you're gonna unravel and be unhinged because you're having a feeling. And then for them to, to name what they're going through or say, I wonder if you're feeling X, Y, or Z, or tell me more about that or whatever you wanna say as they get older, you'll use more questioning than telling. And it's okay, that makes sense that you feel that way. I would feel that way too. And also, you still can't hit your brother. Do your family did this, but I feel like a lot of like Latin families try to form an empathetic child. Sometimes they'll pretend they're crying, right? Like they'll be like, oh, you made me so sad, I'm so And then I'm like, for me, it feels so, I just don't like lying to my son at all. Like I'm very honest and he's two and a half, but I try to be, and sometimes my mom looks at me like, she doesn't understand you, you're being, but I feel like I wanna be as honest as I possibly can with him and I think I caught the nanny or my, actually my actual mom the other day too. Like, oh, you hit, like, kind of like he had gotten upset and I think he like kind of shoved something or threw something and she pretended she was crying. And I think he kind of reacted to it in terms of like, oh, but I don't know if that's an effective way. Like, what's with the fake crying? Is that effective? Is that, because I know like the, at the end of the day and everyone I've told Karen this and I've shared it many times, I'm so not obsessed, but my priority is to raise someone that's empathetic and like feels for other people. And it's just like kind and generous, but also like, you know, like the feels with them when they're feeling sad or they're being hurt, like that I want them to kind of feel those emotions as well. So is that effective or not effective? I'm always curious about that because I feel like a lot of people do it. There's a scientific term for it. It's called coercive parenting and it's not great. I mean, when I say this, I hope there's a caveat, which is I think every family has their own values and their own history and their own cultural experiences. And so I don't want to say it's not acceptable. If you're looking to create an empathetic kid, it's not going to be effective because coercive parenting is when you're sort of imposing feelings mm. and things on your child and it's a little bit more controlling. And so by fake crying or real crying, I mean, by the way, my mother-in-law She's never going to hear this, but she's a wonderful <laughs> woman. But like when my daughter was three, I think she, you know, said, no, grandma, like go away, grandma or something. She started to cry. I don't know if it was fake crying or real crying. And she just said, when you say that, it just, you know, it ruins my whole day. And I feel so sad. And please never do that again. And I was very taken aback because, first of all, it gave me a real window <laughs> into how she parented and what it must have been like for my daughter's father to who's my husband at the time to understand emotions mm -hmm. of other people and like what your responsibility is versus someone else's responsibility for their own emotions. But it was just typical coercive parenting. Mm -hmm. And I actually think your instincts 
align with my values, which is, first of all, it's not true. That wasn't actually the feeling that was happening. So that's confusing because kids are so smart. They read our nervous system so beautifully. Mm. And if we're feeling one way in our body, but expressing it in a different way, that's confusing. Yeah, That's reason number one not to do it. And reason number two not to do it is that message is very much about your child is responsible for your feelings. And that's a, that's and a you lot. Want that. yeah. That's a lot for them. Before I had Victoria, I heard a lot about like, oh, the terrible twos and when they turn two and, and you know, Victoria kind of breathed through her twos as a very verbal, communicative little girl. And I was like, I think, I think we did it. I think we're okay. And then she turned three and it was like- Teenager. Wow. Yeah. It was very like, it was completely different. And, and everything that I have tried to educate myself on, on like, you know, don't, don't let them kind of like completely unhinge you and have these like difficult moments where you need to learn how to discipline. I've never had to discipline another human being. I'm responsible for myself. And all of that has been quite a journey, but I find myself, especially lately, you know, she's very, she's got a strong personality and she gets away. I don't know if she's like gets away with things, but she'll do things that I'm like, where do I set the boundary here? How much of this is me just like allowing her to, you know, do her thing. So right now she's like into like throws herself on the floor and screams and ah, like a whole dramatic episode. There's hitting, there's like, because she's so chatty, she should have her own podcast. She's like, I'm going to take away <laughs> that that new blender you bought and I'm going to go return it. And I'm like, did I make that happen? Like, it's so confusing and it's so hard to stay kind of like controlled. And there's moments where I feel like I'm like multiple personalities where I'm like the controlled like person where I'm like, okay, I understand that you're feeling frustrated and I'm going to do this and I'm going to take this away because this is not for throwing and blah, blah, blah. And then like 10 minutes later, she does it again. I'm like, ah, like, can you stop? And it's just so hard. And so I would love to hear your perspective on like, cause I can't be the only one dealing with this. <laughs> How do we <laughs> manage those situations? Because I think my understanding is that I'm really just responsible for like how I react to everything, but that's also a lot of work. I think it's, I also feel very inconsistent. Like I'm like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to, and then like at some point you're like, I'm not, I'm breaking the pattern. This is not, and it, yeah. And I lose it. I understand. I and you're like, I I'm going to do everything I, I heard away. on the podcast, we everything I saw on Instagram. You know, Instagram. I understand you're frustrated. You could hit a pillow, but you can't hit your, you know, but at some point I'm just like, and then I realized I become my mom. Like I've just, had it. And then I go and hug a pillow in my room because I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want to do anything I regret. <laughs> so how do we find the balance and how do we stay consistent? Well, you said balance and I like to use balance as the reminder of what we can do in those moments because B is breathe. So the first thing, unless there's an emergency. So caveat is if there's somebody in danger, you can't take the moment to like, <sighs> yeah. But if nobody's in danger, you're fine taking a moment to breathe because 
You can't breathe and go into a stress response. It's not possible. And the stress response is what happens when your brain says there's an emergency, alert, every, you know, all the systems need to be fight, flight, or freeze. And that's when you yell because you're fighting because you think there's an emergency. Breathing, it's very scientific. Your lungs send a message to your system that everything's fine and there you can turn the alarm bells off so it's actually very technical just take a breath maybe two and then for balance a is account for your own baggage so what did it bring up in you now of course you'll get better at this and it'll happen really quickly but accounting for your own baggage is like what do i need to happen in this moment what's pissing me off basically is it about my child or is it about me did they embarrass me in front of other people was mm. mom watching or you know did they clock somebody over the head and i'm like freaked out because i'm worried about the child like what is it that happened and i mean hitting somebody over the head kind of is an emergency because you have to protect people's bodies so that's not a great example but anything where you can just check in is this about me or is this about them and then let go of that baggage like remind yourself okay the stuff that's about me i'll deal with later i'm a grown up i'm going to let that go and then you can a assess the present moment like what does my child need right now what is happening and then you really focus on what's important in that moment my child needs x y or z a hug my child needs me to breathe my child needs me to remove an object because it's making them get a little dysregulated whatever it is and then just notice you know look at what's happening if there's no danger then you can just observe for a little bit and notice what's really going on here and then all that happens in like 3 seconds you know it's like very quick stuff happening in your brain and then you connect and connecting with your child helps them regulate their nervous system that means that when they're like unhinged they're borrowing your nervous system in co-regulation because you took a breath they then have the capacity to think clearly and then you can engage with them on what to do as a solution and really that's for every single encounter and it starts with breathing and it gets to like what's your kind of issue what's their need what are you capable of and if what you're capable of is walking out of the room and hugging a pillow because you know that if you don't do that you're going to just yell at your child then you're doing exactly what you need to do you are self regulating by hugging that pillow or screaming into that pillow you're saying i can't help this child right now until i get myself in control and that might not happen right away and we are humans so we only have to do this more often than not <laughs> and the rest of the time you're going to blow it and part of this whole thing is accepting if you blow it and just going all right we we're going to move on from this i blew it i'm going to take a deep breath the way you mentioned about does this have to do with me because i feel like a lot of the times maybe not at the moment because lately i have to admit i've been yelling a lot because he's been doing stuff that he never did before right like i could leave he's always been very independent i could leave him drinking his milk having his cereal he's perfectly fine let's get to school now like he'll be really quiet i'll walk into the room and he'll be like building like a sound experiment with his milk like milk clay play-doh and, and i'm like what are you doing like i'm just like so i catch myself like going from like 0 to 60 in 2 seconds And then I feel like a crazy person because I'm like, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to do that, but I already did the damage. I already screamed. I already yelled at him. And then it's a reflection on like, what am I doing that he's doing this now out of nowhere? 
You know what I mean? So I feel like for me, it always, and I think it happens to a lot of moms, like it's always, we always feel like it's a reflection of our parenting when they start behaving a certain way, especially if they didn't behave like that for, for the first two years of their life. And then they turn two and it's, they're doing these things that are just frustrating, I think. I also think that, and I've started to have, you know, they always say like, have more grace with yourself and everything. And I always, I'm like, yeah, 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 I do it, I do it. But like, it all goes back to a TikTok, right? Like this is where we're at these days. But like, I saw something that said that they can feel when we are like, we always have this running to-do list. You are thinking about, I have to get on this call and then I have to go to work and then I need the logistical part, right, of all these things. And like, even though outside we're like, hi, Ford or Victoria, we're gonna go do this now. That's not what's inside and they feel it. And so I feel like it's like, we need to just be honest with our I don't know. But like, I've tried to stop myself yeah. now. And like, if I'm going to engage with Victoria, I'm like, delete everything else and engage with her. Because if not, then she's going to be like, no. And I'm going to be like, no, they do read us. And so it's better to, you know, it's hard. But first of all, I just want to address like, just to normalize this, you're never getting out of the trickiness of the toddler. So whether you have a two-year-old that's driving you nuts and then they regulate at three or a two-year-old is like an angel and you're like, I, I miss the terrible twos. And then you get to the three-nager. It's happening no matter what. And it's healthy development. They're meant to push boundaries to check in with you. And then you're meant to, you know, keep the boundaries. So I just want to normalize that. But also the things that trigger us are, like you said, like parenting in front of people couldn't be a bigger trigger because not only do you have to worry about the interaction you're having with your kid, but now you're worried about how people are perceiving that interaction and how your child's coming across. And even if you think you don't care, all of a sudden you're just like, <laughs> and so coming to terms with that and really reminding yourself, I don't care about, I'm raising this person. Nobody else really matters in this picture. I mean, of course, if you were harming someone else, that would be different. But assuming everybody's fine and they're just busybodies, you just take a moment to remind yourself, oh, right, I'm just, right now, I'm bubbling over with shame over my child's behavior and my parenting is being called into question. Let me move that away. Let me let that go because that's not serving me and it's not serving my child. And it's those kinds of moments, if you can take a pause to acknowledge what's happening for you, you'll reset your nervous system. And then when you say, Victoria, let's go to blah, 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 she'll believe you because you'll mean it. You know, it's not like gritting your teeth while you're doing it. <laughs> I have a question that is more specific to your current life. So my mom, as you can probably already tell, very influential in my life. And so she says to me sometimes, like, I'd rather deal with toddlers than with teenagers. So tell us, a, I, mean, I don't know why she would say that, um, but tell us a little bit about what is the teenage stage like? What do we have ahead for us? First of all, I want to say, I think toddlers are so much harder on the one hand because they're just like dysregulated a lot, but they're so cute and it's just that they're exhausting. Like if you knew their bodies were safe, it wouldn't be as hard. But I found toddlers to be much more physically exhausting 
whereas teenagers are more emotionally exhausting. So it's just pick which one, you know, your mom was probably like, I'd rather be physically exhausted than emotionally exhausted. I personally would rather be emotionally exhausted. For sure. My mom is always reminding me, like, I never went through this. I don't, I used your sister and she's, you. She's got mom I think like she mom forgot or yeah. she just missed the That's whole part. Like, you we're missing for a lot. I don't know. Momnesia. That's, whenever anybody does that, it is, I've never heard momnesia before, but it's brilliant. And I agree. It's totally that. Because who in the world is getting out of this experience? Only the people who have momnesia. But for me, I prefer emotional exhaustion to physical <laughs> exhaustion. So it's easier for me to have teenagers. Having said that, the issues are much scarier because there's no second chance with some of the stuff that's happening. You're dealing right. with like the outside world so much right. more, whereas... With toddlers, it's like, mm. it's kind of contained. And so that's a little bit easier. Then with teenagers, we're just like, oh, ha- count the ways for what things can go wrong. But in terms of the day-to-day, it's so fun. Like I having my two daughters actually be fun hangs, it's, it's hard for me not to be their friends because I'm not their friend, I'm their mother. But I'm like counting the days in some ways to being able to tell them the secret, which is, I so love hanging out with you and I just want to be your friend. <laughs> and just to close it off, because we want to honor your time, doctor, also, if you could give us three basic advice in terms of like how do we get through these days, like our day-to-day thing, like focus on what three things during the next, I want to say years, probably the next <laughs> forever. <laughs> okay. Focus on, I definitely would pick all feelings are welcome, all behaviors are not. Just like check in with yourself. I love that. The shortcut to like the long-winded thing that I said is, okay, did I let them know that their feelings are okay? Did I set the boundary properly? Was I completely consistent with that? And then also, if you can, and I know this is like a big ask, but not taking it personally or sweating the small stuff will help you decide what's important to you so that you don't over-boundary your kids so that they don't rebel as much. That's two. Um, And three is take care of yourself so that you don't burn out because without you, that's really hard. It's hard to raise good humans when you are completely burnt out. So making sure that you do like say to yourself, I wasn't ready before, but I just really am ready now to take a night away. Not everybody has that luxury, but whatever you can do, those moments with a friend where you're, you know, my old mentor, Sunia Luther says, Make sure that every week you talk to a friend who would tell you if there's broccoli in your teeth. That is really protective. I love that. So those are the three things I would say for toddler life really like matter deeply. And then everything else, there's obviously other stuff. But without this, because if you're regulated and you're okay, your kids have so much more to work with. And I find myself whenever you're not well rested, whenever you overstress, overworked, you turn to like lose it faster, right? Like you t- I tend to like it, yell like quicker. I tend to like just get more emotional, have a breakdown. Like, oh my God, I'm failing at this. Like what's, you know, when I'm well rested, when yeah. I'm like, okay, I'm like, it's okay, baby. You know, it's, it is. You're more self-compassionate probably. I do this all the time, like when you were just saying that I was putting my hand on my chest because this is another science hack, but when you put your hand on your heart, you regulate your nervous system more. So for me, whenever I'm listening to anything that might be hard for the other person, this reminds me like, 
okay, we got this. And so if you do that to yourself and you just remind yourself, we've got this, like I'm gonna be nice to myself today. You're doing so much to support your kids. It's not just like a luxury, it's actually making you available to be the best parent you can be. Thank you so much, Dr. Pressman, for Thank joining you. us tonight. I could literally talk to her like, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so oh, much. Nice. This was Thank very- Thank you for having me.